Hey everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, and nana to six, and 25-year veteran homeschooling mom. You know, I am so glad you're here today. We are going to be talking about the importance of hospitality and simple ways to be hospitable. So, uh, Stay, hang in there, stay tuned. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But if you are new to the podcast and you haven't checked out the other podcasts, uh, there are so many to choose from. I talk about a lot of different topics, um, but on my homepage at DorindaWilson.com, there is a search bar. Kind of have to scroll down to get there, but go to that search bar. And if you put in keywords on topics that you want to hear more about or read more about because I have written posts as well. Um, just pop that in there and a, a bunch of stuff should come up. And um, I'm hoping that you'll go there and do that and that you'll be encouraged. Just know that right now, if you sign up to my website, subscribe to it, which a pop-up will come up on the homepage uh, for you to do that. If you subscribe now, you will uh, get access to a link that allows you to listen to the Unhurried Homeschooler audio version. And that's absolutely free. So if that's a book that's, you know, maybe you've heard about and you've been interested in reading, or maybe it's piquing your interest right now as you're hearing about it, um, it is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling. So it's also a short listen. But again, if you'll sign up to the website, you will have access to the free audio version of that. Also on the podcast, I want to tell you about my most recent series called On the Porch. Now, the purpose of this series is kind of to meet a little bit of a a need that um, I have uh, seen and heard about from moms who have just said to me, I would love to sit on the front porch with you and just talk and chat and and hear more of what you have to say. And so that's the sort of um, setting that this podcast is. It's relaxed. Um, I'm telling stories. I'm sharing my thoughts about certain topics along the way. Um, the first in the series is called um, My Story, because I think it's really interesting to hear other people's about other people's journeys. I love other people's stories. And so I thought, you know, some of you have been listening for a while and you've heard bits and pieces. This will kind of give you a little bit of a bird's eye view of uh, where I come from, what my background is, and just kind of just to get to know me a little bit better. And then the second one, because I only have two in this series so far, is called Hope That Anchors our Souls. And um, I'm excited about bringing that encouragement to you as well, because, you know, in these tumultuous, crazy, changing times, we really need something to anchor our souls. And so I share with you uh, some things that the Lord laid on my heart that are just full of hope um, that I think will give you peace and help anchor your soul as well, wherever you are in your journey. So lastly, I have to mention one of my favorite music artists, because I think you will love their music. Scripture Lullabies has three lullaby albums and two instrumental albums. These are chock full of calm, peaceful music, and much of it is full of scripture. Um, I mean, really, can you think of a better way to have God's word flowing through your house throughout the day? It's calming for moms. It's calming for the kids. Um, And a little bit of a backstory. Many of you know that we lost our first grandson a little over seven years ago, unexpectedly, to stillbirth. Um, It was a very difficult time for our family, but 
obviously, especially for our daughter whose loss was really incomprehensible. She found scripture lullabies and had their music continually playing as she worked through her grief and healing. And it brought so much comfort to her during a time when it was challenging to find comfort. So I encourage you to go check them out. You might find yourself struggling with a sense of peace right now, and this music most certainly resonates with peace. Um, You can stream their music from any major platform. Their albums are available on their website to send as gifts as physical CDs and digital downloads. You know, sometimes people want to give the gift, uh, want to gift the music, but their loved ones don't have CD players, right? So you can actually purchase the digital downloads and gift them that way. Lastly, this is really cool. They're having a Black Friday sale that launches the 27th of November and runs through December 11th. You can use the code THANKFUL30 to save 30% off the music on their website. And I'm going to share all of this information in the podcast notes if you want to go check them out. Um, But let's move on to our topic of the day. So between Pinterest and social media, it's easy to think that hospitality has to be executed perfectly in order to be meaningful, but nothing could be further from the truth. So I I feel like when we understand and embrace the whys of hospitality, it's a game changer and can actually be life-changing in so many ways for you and for those you connect with, whether that's your family, your friends, your neighbors. And now more than ever, you guys, we need each other. You know, I'm, you guys, if you've been following me for a while, you know that I continually encourage women to slow down and simplify. That isn't just to relieve stress, although it helps dramatically. Um, it's also a way to open up space in our lives so that we engage more fully with those around us. You know, we were made for community. And I don't know about you, but, you know, after all these lockdowns and restrictions, I've realized that even more. Our homes are a place of ministry. And most certainly, they can be a refuge in the midst of the storms that rage all around us, culturally, politically, socially. We can be the hands and feet of Jesus right where we live. And that's why I'm so excited today to have Annie Boyd from the Gingham Apron sharing simple ways to show hospitality, but also talking about why it's essential. So Annie is married to Shane who was her high school sweetheart. She's the mother of five gregarious and adventurous children whom she homeschools. She loves traveling, spending time outside, reading and baking bread. She received her BA in uh, elementary education and biblical studies from the University of Northwestern St. Paul. She accepted Christ as a young girl and hopes to invite others to know about his love, his faithfulness, and his forgiveness. Welcome, Annie. I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. Thank you so much, Dorinda. It's really an honor to be here. And before we get started talking about hospitality, I just want to say that your book, Unhurried Homeschooler, has given me so much hope and peace over the years. I'm continually giving it to friends and referring back to it. And so thank you so much for writing that awesome resource. Thank you. I, I, I'm so glad to hear that. That's that's really encouraging to me. And um, likewise, I've been uh, looking 
through your book. You sent me The Gathering Table. This is a recent uh, publication that you did with your mom, your sisters, and your sister in law, sisters-in-law, correct? Yeah, that's right. Right. And so, I, I mean, I've been, I've, I knew about your website, The Gingham Apron, quite a while ago because we've messaged a little bit back and forth um, over the last couple of years. And uh, just, it's such a sweet website. I love it. It's, it's so relaxing to look at. It's just, you know, it's kind of a feast for the eyes. Um. <laughs> oh, great. Great. But you just it, hope that it's a place of encouragement and inspiration for Christian yes, women. Yeah. Yes. And I, I would agree that it is. And so I would encourage um, the listeners to go and check it out. And we'll, we'll be sharing all the ways you can connect with Annie and um, the, uh, the gingham apron um, in the podcast notes, but we're, we're talking uh, specifically about your book, The Gathering Table, which, you know, when I got it in the mail, I pulled it out and it was just like, it's so beautiful. You know, there's something so um, calming about beautiful photographs. And as I, as I, as I thumbed through the pages, uh, one of the things I loved is how you um, separated things out into seasons because it's, you know, it's, it's been true for, you know, literally thousands and thousands of years, cultures revolve around food and, and specifically around kind of eating seasonally, you know, with what's available. Yeah. It used to be because it was what's, what was available. And, and now it's, I think it's more preference and traditions and things like that. And, um, so I just, I love the layout and the, um, just everything about it. You know, there's just so, uh, so many wonderful pieces to it. And I'll share more uh, a little bit later because we want to dive in and talk about some of the um, the whys of hospitality and ways that we can do it. So um, showing hospitality can, can be challenging. You know, I think a lot of moms feel overwhelmed at the thought because our culture really hasn't, hasn't really encouraged it. Um, they, they've given the impression that it has to be, you know, I would say Martha Stewart, but maybe, you know, maybe I'm old and, and she's really just for older moms. But, <laughs> but you know, I know there's, there's other, you know, up and coming people out there who do all this beautiful, beautiful settings and, and, and a mom could feel really intimidated by that. And, and sometimes it's the last thing we want to do is invite more people into our home when we've had all these little people around us all day, um, mm-hmm. or it's been a full day. And you write in the book about the service of hospitality and how we can show the love of Christ by being hospitable. So how can we obey Christ and be hospitable even when we don't feel like it? Yeah, I think that's a wonderful question. Um, we are instructed in the book of Romans to practice hospitality. So whenever there's something in God's word that we're told to do, we automatically know that it's important. But the actual how to do it can be so complicated. And I think you've mm-hmm. really touched on that. You know, um, women feel very burdened because we're all caught up in this comparison game mm-hmm. of pin. type images. And I know that sometimes I feel like I know God has asked me to practice hospitality. I want to reach out and show the love of Christ to people around me, but my kids are all home all day, every day, because we're homeschoolers. Um, How can I get my house clean enough? How can I make wonderful food? How can I 
make the table setting beautiful. And all of a sudden I just get so discouraged. Mm -hmm. And I think um, through the writing of this book and through practicing hospitality over the years, I've learned that that's not what God's calling us to do. That the image of, you know, impressing people with um, the perfect home, food, table setting, all of that, that really falls into the category of entertaining. Mm. And God's not talking about entertaining. He's talking about hospitality. And we're given so many beautiful examples in the scriptures of Jesus showing hospitality to his followers and friends in these really simple ways, you know, maybe just like a fresh fish fry on the beach where Mm -hmm. not there to impress people with his um, entertaining skills, but he's showing them love by meeting their needs in really simple Mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So how can we give hospitality um, specifically during challenging seasons of work, small children, homeschooling, or (laughs) even a pandemic? (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. I think that we start by saying, what is the need that needs to be met? And so I know as a mom, my kids are a little bit older now. Um, they're ages eight to 15, but when they were so little, um, those were some really, those could be really lonely times. And when mm-hmm. someone would reach out to me and say, do you want to meet at the park or do you want to come to the pumpkin patch or let's all get the kids together at the bike um, ramps and, you know, just, It was the act of reaching out and seeing the need for connection that was so important to me. It didn't matter where we were meeting. I wasn't looking at the condition of their house or I wasn't judging whether they served something they picked up at the grocery store. I was just so thrilled to be welcomed into their life and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sharing encouragement and good conversation and talking about motherhood together. Mm-hmm. It is so true. It's 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 so much more than than the food. I mean, you can order pizza and still have and, and do paper plates and have a wonderful, wonderful time of fellowship. You know, yeah. and I remember um, my my mentoring mom. Um, I've known her since I was eighteen, and mm. I would say that the con- most consistent thing about her and the thing that I loved the most and that I desperately needed the most from her was the fact that her doors are always open. Mm -hmm. She, when, in fact, um, after our daughter uh, lost, our daughter and son-in-law lost um, their baby, I was on my way out to, um, to be with them um, for the day, um, this was, you know, after everything happened and we were going to have to do funeral plans and, and that kind of thing, not, not something I had anticipated a week before at all. Right. And, um, I reached out to her and she said, J- honey, just stop by on your way out and I'll fix you a cup of tea. Hmm. And so I went over there and she had, and just like always, she had her little teacups and her teapot and she put some cookies on a on a plate and you know i just sobbed and cried yeah. and but i there was i will never forget i don't remember what kind of cookies we had i don't remember mm-hmm. what kind of tea we had i just remember how i felt yeah i felt so loved it was like jesus was right there putting his arm around me and telling me it was going to be okay and so that's the power 
of hospitality, just being available. And I think I always tell uh, my mentoring mom, her name is Carol Ann, I always tell her, you, I don't, I know this isn't technically a gift, but I tell her, you have the gift of availability. <laughs> do oh, you know, yeah. do you know yeah. how meaningful that is in this day of in age with everyone being so busy all the time? Um, just the fact that she always was, you know, unhurried and just was there and ready to minister whenever uh, we needed it. And if she couldn't in the moment, she would tell you and then she would say, so when, what time do you want to come? You know, yeah. so, you know, so anyway, I just had to tell that story because I yes. think it's important for people to understand they're not going to remember what you served. They're going to remember yeah. how you made them feel. Exactly. And so we can have this perfect, perfect layout of food and we can be a ball of tension and it will have completely, um, we've, we will have completely missed the point and mm-hmm. missed the opportunity. Um, right. that you're talking about right here. And that is to um, to just be that person who connects. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned um, here, I've got a little uh, some notes here, but the importance of training children in hospitality, because we have to remember as moms, as families, you know, our children are watching. They're absorbing everything along the way. So, uh, share some ways in which they can help because I'm I, okay. I'm just going to admit I really struggled <laughs> with having kids in my kitchen. I was just like, just get out of here! I just yeah. want to do this by myself. Yeah. Um, so it can be challenging to invite them into that process. So share with us some ways that that they can help. Well. Yes, I totally agree. If you want to <laughs> invite them to cook with you, it's going to take about three times as long. And then there's the cleanup, which is crazier, but right. it, it is worth it. But, you know, it's it's a challenge for sure. But um, some things that we do with our kids is we say, can you set the table? Set it however you want. Go out and pick mm-hmm. some leaves and decorate mm-hmm. it. And they really get into that. Or they yes. can use place cards with somebody, you know, friends' names on them. Or they can even be taught to open the door. So when we say, you know, when you hear the doorbell ring, I'd like you to go to the door and say, welcome. We're glad you're here. Come on in. Can I take your coat? You know, just training them Mm -hmm. the correct conversation skills that they're going to need to welcome someone into our home. And then they get to learn how to be selfless because they are going to be sharing their skateboards and their scooters and their Legos. And so we get to train them to say, you know, really God owns everything. And this is our opportunity Mm -hmm. to show love to friends and sometimes new acquaintances that are coming into our home. And so we want you to share these gifts that you have with these friends. And that's what Mm. Jesus wants us to do. I love that. I love that. What a, what a great example. And you know, we talk about, you know, we're both homeschoolers and a lot of our audience are homeschoolers. This is just as important. These kinds of life lessons and living real life alongside of each other um, that are equally as important, if not more important than the curriculum. Because I, I'm picturing just what you you um, described, teaching the child how to um, welcome someone into their home. You're teaching them manners. You're teaching them to be other oriented. Um, 
that skill right there, I, I immediately translated it into um, a job. Yeah, that you definitely. know that that skill right there. When they're comfortable with that, they can take that into so many different job situations. And so this isn't this is multifaceted in its benefits. And and that's what I love about it. Those were some really great ideas. And also, you know, like there's the cleanup, right? Afterwards right. they can help yeah. with that. <laughs> yes. And again, that's I'm all about that. <laughs> that's learning to be a servant, you know, exactly. and serving others. And they mm-hmm. say, Well, but I didn't get the dolls out. I know, but this is how we're showing love. So help me tidy up real quick, you know, right, so right, there's, right. it's all encompassing for sure. It is all encompassing. And if you're, th- yeah. and the thing is, if you're going into it with the mindset that this, this again, isn't just about the perfect spread of food and the perfect, you know, decorations, this is about, you know, our family and our family sharing our space and sharing our food and sharing our lives. And um, so it's just, it's much deeper than that. And uh, I love that. I, I love that. So joyfully working together to accomplish a goal. So you have a chapter called Sweet Corn Factory uh, where you discuss how important it is to bring children into work in the home, even though, like you said, it, it takes uh, tasks much longer. So how can we, uh, I love this, joyfully uh, work together to accomplish a goal? Yes. So we've got a chapter in the book about something that our family does together every summer. We pick sweet corn and then have what we call the sweet corn factory. So um, all the women and there are 10 grandkids in the family all get together and there's boiling of corn and then cutting it off the cob and then bagging it and then popping in the freezer. And so then you have delicious sweet corn all year round, even when it's cold outside, you can pull it out. Like we'll be having it for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. later this week. But the kids are learning how we can, like you just said, joyfully work together to accomplish a goal. Mm-hmm. And um, in Colossians 3.23, we're instructed to whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. And so even though as moms, it's so much easier to just whip through something after they've gone to bed or when they're busy playing, it really is valuable to include the kids in that work because they're learning so many skills and they're, we're building beautiful memories as a family. I've been doing this since I was a small kid with my mom and I just have so many great memories of working next to her and learning these different skills in the home. I completely agree. And if anybody knows me even slightly well, you know, I am a big fan of growing a work ethic in our kids and not just for the sake of the work ethic, but also just the, like you mentioned, the the multifaceted skills that our kids learn um, as we're working together to accomplish a goal. There's something, I always say that when it comes to growing a strong family that's very cohesive, it has so much to do with overcoming obstacles and having a task to accomplish, like, you know, taking all that corn and, you know, doing all that you need to do to get it in the freezer is, um, is an obstacle to overcome. And that's where I know that I have seen our kids and our family become the most cohesive when our car was stuck in the snow and Mm -hmm. kids all had to work together to figure out how to push it out, how to get it out of there, how do we get grip under the tire? They have to communicate with each other. They have to 
um, they have to work as a team. And I cannot tell you the value. Again, I'm, I'm leaping forward as a mom who has some hindsight. Those yeah. skills have been the, the very skills that our kids as employers have verbally uh, said to them and to us, we can't, we can't believe how, um, first of all, what a great work ethic your kids have, but also how they understand how to relate to their other employee, employers, fellow employers or employees, and to work as a team and to communicate well with them. And so these are just invaluable lessons that I can tell you as a mom of grown kids that business owners and people who are hiring are starving for. They cannot, it's very hard to find these days. So these things that, you know, they seem simple and they seem um, sometimes a little bit, um, they can try our patience a little bit because like you said, it takes longer to do those things, but we are really giving our kids wonderful gifts. And like you mentioned, we're giving them memories. These are memories that will just be emblazoned on them forever. You know, as adults, um, they're going to go back to those those places. As an adult, they're, they're going to go back to those places for comfort. This is the interesting thing is when you provide these great memories for your kids, what happens is as adults, sometimes when they're struggling or they're going through a difficult time, they will reflect back on something will trigger their memory and they'll reflect back on when they were a kid and they did this, that, and the other thing. And there's all these positive, good feelings that come with that. And so we're giving them the almost a gift of comfort for the future when we give them memories like this. And um, so it's just such an amazing thing. So working together to accomplish a goal, and that can look a lot of different ways, but hospitality is one of those wonderful ways to do that. So. You were mentioning earlier that sometimes you got together with other people. You just met at a skate park or whatever. So um, I, I think what you were saying is that we can meet in lots of different places and we can put the focus on serving rather than on entertaining. So share with us some practical ways that we can focus on hospitality rather than on entertaining. I like the way you differentiated between those two. Yeah. So in the book, we meet in all different places to accomplish our goal of getting together once a month as a family. And again, it just goes back to what is the need, you know, seeing that need and then being willing to meet that need. So um, I share about the times that we take field meals out to the men that are harvesting in the fall and they just simply don't have the time to come home and get a warm meal. And so, right. We pack up a warm, you know, stew or sloppy joes or something that's pretty hearty and actually take it out to the field, set it up on the tailgate, and they can, you know, stop in quickly, eat, and get right back to harvesting. Um, Another example was my mom's tea party that she had in the backyard. And I write about in um, that chapter about how she was really seeing the need of some rest and even, you know, just a real feminine, beautiful meal. It was during a season where I had a baby and a toddler and um, young elementary kids that were in tumbling and music lessons and all that. And I just remember getting there and 
she greeted us and said, come on back. And she'd set the table with my grandma's china and mm-hmm. some flowers she cut from her garden. And it was just such a refreshing breath of air, you know, to my right. soul. I just felt like, oh. oh, I can just sit down and visit. And my dad took the little guys and kept them busy so we could just sit down and have a nice conversation with the ladies. And my my girls remember that time. Mm. Um, and then, you know, just on a personal note, now... Uh, when I'm planning to meet with friends, we're in this funny season right now where we're not supposed to be gathering in large groups, <laughs> but mm-hmm. so we're all having to get really creative. Um, but, you know, we've been able to meet at the pumpkin patch and uh, go on some hikes in our area. Um, we meet at the skate park. When I was a mom of toddlers, we would meet at the community center and the kids would play on the playground equipment and we'd have a cup of coffee while we were keeping an eye on the kids. But it relieved the stress of having everybody into my home mm-hmm. and having to come up with the right meal and all of that. But it still met the goal of building the relationship, showing love, caring about my friends and what was going on in their lives. And that's if, as long as we're keeping that in mind of how can I show God's love to them? And then we can, pray about it and ask the Lord. I I know that this person needs me to be a friend, but I'm overwhelmed in this area of my life. Show me how to do it. And and he'll give us that wisdom to show us how to do it. Exactly. Um, You know, it's really about meaningful connection is, is what I'm hearing you say. It's, it's, it's meaningful connection. And how can that happen in this particular scenario? And then just following the Lord's lead on what that looks like. So you have a chapter um, uh, where you talk about a ladies' brunch. Um, how the women in your family gathered for a beautiful meal was it? Was that the same scenario, or was this a different one? So one chapter was a tea party that my mm-hmm. mom hosted for us in right. the backyard with my sister and sisters-in-law and the and the girl cousins, so my right. nieces and my daughters. So sure. that the girls were involved in that one too. But one time we had just a ladies' brunch where it was just the adults. And it was during the planting season, which is falls in the spring in the Midwest. And so again, that's a super busy time where the men are gone a lot. And it's so easy to get discouraged during that time. So we said, hey, we know we get really depleted during this time. Mm -hmm. Let's get together and have a nice brunch and um, have a Bible study and prayer time as well. Mm. And that day we just talked about how God knows that we need the nourishment of good food, but he also knows that we need the nourishment of his word. And we Mm. were able, my mom shared a lot from Titus three that day about being a godly woman. And Mm. we also talked a lot about um, Psalm chapter 19 that has all those promises about God's word and how when we get tired and weary, there it is, but waiting for us to just dive in and, without fail, it builds us up and strengthens us and prepares us for that season that we're in. Absolutely. Um, What I'm picturing is just that speaking life into each other and God's word is living and active. It's, that's what it it tells us in, uh, in in Timothy. And, and so it makes sense that if we come together and we spend time in his word, we're going to be, we're going to be speaking life into each other. And, you know, as you were telling me this uh, story, I'm, I'm thinking about those um, 
military families who a lot of times, you know, the, the men leave on deployment and mm -hmm. um, this would be a really beautiful way to help encourage um, military families, military moms specifically yeah. and wives. So that's this is, idea. that's a really, yeah, I just, I have a few uh, friends, uh, family who have family and they're in, in the military. And uh, so I just, um, I think this would be just such a great, uh, great idea for them. So yeah. commemorating the faithfulness of God. I love that. Why is it important to remember the faithfulness of God? Yeah. So one of the chapters, it was my parents' 45th anniversary, and we wanted to commemorate his faithfulness to them. And, you know, in front of the kids say, look, everybody, God's been so faithful to this family. And it was almost like we were setting our own Ebenezer Stone out mm -hmm. to yes. say, we can look to this and remember that he's faithful. And I think that when we remember the faithfulness of God and we commemorate it, it builds faith because mm -hmm. uh, Jesus tells us in this world, we will have trouble. So it's not if we're going to have trouble right. is that we are going to have trouble. And when we've taken the time to commemorate, to remember, to reflect on the goodness of God and how he has answered prayers and kept promises, then our faith is strong and ready to say he's going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And so um, I like the verse Isaiah 46, nine, it says, remember the former things, those of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Mm -hmm. So basically I think remembering increases and strengthens our faith. Absolutely does. You know, I think, I know that's why God made that part of the Jewish culture. You know, as you mm -hmm. read through the Old Testament, there were so many traditions and things that um, God had instructed them to do. And it was for the purpose of remembering because yeah. he knew that's what it would take for us to continue to believe and continue to have faith for the challenges that uh, we you know, face in the future. We look back to help us, re we remember by looking back and, and it helps us face what's in front of us right now and down the road. So share yeah. with us some ways that uh, we can teach younger, the younger generations about the faithfulness of God. Well, here we are finding ourselves in the week of Thanksgiving. I'm not sure when this podcast will air, but here's our perfect chance to say, Let's remember everything that God has done for us. And one thing that we do in our family is we make a Thanksgiving tree. And um, I just find some branches out in the yard and put them in a vase. And then we cut out little leaves and different construction paper. And then the kids, just throughout this week, we write down things that God has been faithful to us, you know, in ways that he's been faithful to us this year. Or it's fine if they go back to other years as well. But um, just that tangible mm -hmm. remembrance of things mm -hmm. that he's done for us. And it's so cute. You know, the things they write down, you know, like I asked God for a new friend and someone new came into the neighborhood, or I asked God to help me at baseball and I learned how to catch a pot fly or whatever, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it really shows you the things that they were thinking about that were so important to them and that they know that God helped them with. 
Right. Um, and even if you don't want to make a Thanksgiving tree, just taking some time on Thanksgiving, you know, during the meal to say, you know, to read some scripture. I love Psalm 100, the mm-hmm. the psalm that the pilgrims sang on the Mayflower, and they mm-hmm. were struggling so much, but they it was almost that they were singing saying, we know that God's going to be faithful to us. So we're going to mm-hmm. go ahead and praise him for that. And we can read that Psalm with the kids and talk about how he's been faithful and then present requests to him about mm-hmm. things that are hard right now. That's very, very good. You know, I was thinking, you know, that's definitely a, a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving tradition. I'm also thinking, you know, just on a very regular basis, uh, Sunday to Sunday, we we usually have a Sunday meal, like our bigger meal is right after church on Sundays. And um, that would also be a great yeah. uh, habit to be in just on a weekly basis, you know, because yes. there's just something so um, encouraging about taking the time to be thankful. Yes. And we're encouraged or we're instructed, you know, yes. to, to give thanks over and over in the Bible. So. Yes, and because God knew it, w- it would be good yes. for us. <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. So in the final chapter, you talk about finding your identity uh, first in Christ, not as a mom, a wife, or a friend. Um, and this chapter just gives really clear presentation of the gospel. Um, so sh- maybe share just what, do you have you had the opportunity to sort of like, sort of weave the gospel into hospitality um, in the past? Has that been something you've been able to experience? Yes, for sure. Um, A verse that we talked a lot about when we were writing the book is Romans 15, 7, which says to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So hospitality, yes, the benefits are maybe you'll make some new friends or you'll show somebody that you care but ultimately, the main goal of showing hospitality is so that we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with mm. people. And to me, it's really exciting because I don't know about some of your listeners, but and maybe you felt this way as well. But sometimes you've got a house full of young kids and you read the Great Commission where Jesus is telling us to go out and share the gospel. And it's like, I... I'm barely <laughs> making it right. through these days. <laughs> and the only people that I'm surrounded by are these five kids, you know, right, I, right. I would love to do that, but I honestly don't know how. And so um, when he gives us this instruction to show hospitality, you are welcoming people into your life mm-hmm. and, in simple ways, but it is opening up the opportunity to have those faith conversations. And yes, over the years I've had, I could give several stories about people mm. that I met at the library or at the park and I reached out in friendship and then was ultimately able to show my faith to them and mm. invite them into a relationship with Jesus. So that's the main the main goal of hospitality right. for yeah. sure. Absolutely. And you know, as we're seeing around us, there's uh, clearly less and less kindness. <laughs> Yeah, happening. And I just can't help but think that God is calling us back to the basics, back to simplicity, back to slowing down, um, opening our homes. Hospitality used to be, even in our culture, you know, 30 years ago, it was much more, um, 
it happened much more readily. Like people just tended to do that more. And it's almost like technology came and sort of, I don't know, I, I feel like it drove some of us to just be, you know, sort of sequestered in our, just our homes and we reach out online, but we're not actually opening our home. And with all that's gone on, I feel like in, in many ways, it's God calling us as believers back to the simplicity of opening our homes and being the hands and feet of Jesus through hospitality. Because we very, very easily could be the only place of refuge that some people experience any, any, you know, the rest of their life could be just chaos. And, you know, I heard the other day that it's Christ or it's chaos, you know, there's really no in between. And so when we offer Christ, we are offering the only thing that can bring true peace and they'll, they will not only maybe hear about it, but they're going to feel it, literally feel it. And when you're not feeling it in so many other places, all of a sudden it sort of magnifies the, um, oh, just the effectiveness of what we're doing at home. And so I love to see our homes as um, sort of an oasis and a refuge and a place, not just for our family, but for other people as well, that when they come, and I, we've, people have said this when they've come to our house, or in spite of, you know, having, you know, as my friend says, 934 kids, and he always says that you have 934 <laughs> kids um, everywhere. He, it, they say, they would say, there's just such a, a sense of peace here. And they, mm-hmm. it was noticeable. It was tangible. And I was just like, wow, Lord, um, this this is different. This is what makes us stand out and what makes us shine like stars in the universe in, in the midst of a, what is it, a crooked and depraved generation. Here we are yeah. shining like stars. We're like a beacon on a hill in our own homes. And our culture has gotten so far away from that. Lots of fast food, lots of, you know, um, just go, go, go. And again, it's, I believe God is calling us and wooing us back to slowing down and simplifying and connecting in meaningful ways. So Annie, yes. thank you so much for being here with us today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to talk about all this with you. Yeah, this was great. It's very, very inspirational. And I love, I wanted to share a couple other things that I loved about the book um, before we, uh, before we close the podcast, but there are complete menus in here, um, easy to follow recipes, uh, devotional readings, prayers, and inspiring and customizable ideas for everything from intimate family gatherings to larger community events. So it really is um, a go-to resource. And so tell us where moms can find this book. Well, it's available anywhere that you buy your books. So Amazon or Target or Walmart. Um, and then if you go to our website, the Gingham Apron, there mm-hmm. is a book landing page there as well that has a lot of pictures and some samples. So you can see what all is inside the book. Yeah. So moms, I encourage you to go check this out and just be praying and thinking about and reflecting on what we've talked about and um, consider that maybe God might be calling you to um, open up your home a little more often. And, you know, we could take it in baby steps. We don't have to, you know, have a, you know, 20 people over for dinner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It can be so simple. Just start uh, moving that direction. Um, and the 
And this book is can really, really help with that. And really, uh, it's really inspirational. And the really cool thing, you guys, is that Annie has decided, um, generously offered to do a giveaway. So if you enjoyed this conversation, um, pop something in the comments. Um, the only place I'm going to be taking names from is from my website. So when the uh, under this podcast on my website, leave a comment and we will throw your name into the hat and we'll choose a winner. Um, we will we will choose a winner by um, December 15th. So um, go over there and uh, leave a comment and um, you might be winning yourself a wonderful book here. So again, Annie, thank you for being here. Thanks, Dorinda. All right, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together, God. We thank you for the reminder of uh, just our need to slow our hearts and to simplify and to make space in our lives for meaningful connections, Lord. We need them. We need those now more than ever, and so do the people around us. And so we ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us clarity of heart and mind, how to take uh, the first step and moving that direction. I pray for every mom who's listening that she would not feel like this is a burden and another thing for her to do, but rather see it as an opportunity to uh, to model for her kids, to engage her kids in um, something that really will make a difference, not only now, but in the future. And so, Lord, we just pray your blessing over each and every mom and each and every family listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.